The following may contain language which will be offensive to some people and inappropriate for children. Still here? Then pour your favorite beverage and let's get this fucking show started. Fantastic forum, assemble. Thank you for joining us again, once, once again, again, again. Uh, this week for your weekly talk about comics, movies, pop culture shit. Uh, on the line here with me, I got Joe. Hey, what's up? Yeah, and then we got Oz. I'm testing out beers today, so this will be fun. What are you, what are you testing out? Uh, starting off with this limited edition, which everybody where I work, like one guy bought 28 cases of this because that's all, all he could get from the store. Bush Light Apple. Oh, that sounds disgusting. You would think so, because I hate Bush Light and I hate apple cider. Yeah. But yet somehow, I guess because it's not overly sweet, it's fine. I can't imagine buying 28 cases of this stuff and drinking it all summer. But I, here and there, I could see. I, I, it sounds to me like it might taste a little champagne-y. Like a yeah, it does. actually, that's yeah. exactly the that fake champagne that they get that they used to give you right. when you were a kid. That's yes, exactly that. what it tastes like. Oh, I hate it now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it looked like from the can. And then I'm moving on to this uh, rogue honey kolsch. The kolsch, the kolsch. Yeah. Rogue really does good shit, so I, I assume that one will be pretty good. Yeah, I just first time I ever saw it, so picked it up. Said, "What the hell? I'll try it." No. Yeah. Uh, as for Larry, Larry's taking the week off today, and uh, I'll be hosting. We got a good show for you t- today. We're going to be talking about Uzumaki from 2000. It's a manga adaptation, movie adaptation. Uh, we've been talking about Uzumaki in the past. Uh, you know, we did the teaser, reviewed the teaser for the Adult Swim manga, and we talked about Jinji Ito stuff, which we always have fun talking about. So. This is nothing new for us, but it's a nice retrospective review of a of a classic, I think. And we also have Venom 200. Just came out about two weeks ago. Going to review that today. See what Venom's been up to. It, it's a lot has changed since I last read Venom, and uh, I'll tell you all about it. Uh, as always, we're going to give you a free copy of that Venom 200. So stay tuned and uh, see how you can. Uh, you can get it. It'll be a digital copy, so the, the code will flat, flash, or, or I'll read it out. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll give you a challenge or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out later. But in the meantime, if you want to become part of the show, you can hit us up in the comments section like these dudes did. Hold on. Where is that picture? Go ahead, Joe. Put up, put up that one. Uh, Tiger Clan chat says, what you guys think of episode five of Loki? Some really cool Easter eggs in this one. Okay. Look, we'll get into that a little later. But also in a, on our YouTube channel, we get a lot of comments, and this is one. Let's see. Uh, I don't know if you can see it, Joe, right there. Uh, from LH Wafer 1. From last week, it says this is why I need Fantastic Forum. Life Story series was totally off my radar, but just saw Spider Man is already on Marvel Unlimited and looking forward to reading FF. Larry explained it right, and uh, 
Yeah, that, that's from one video we, we posted last week. It is uh, Lawrence and my review of Fantastic Four Life Story number one. Check it out. It's uh, here on our YouTube channel. We also have some Oz's packages. He's done a few of those, and those have been getting some attention because people are just as unhappy with new crate fallout stuff as Oz's. So, yeah, join that conversation there. And as always, if you want to join the live show, you can, uh, the lady will tell you how right now. Want to get in on the action? Call Fantastic Forum on Skype and join the fun. Too shy to call in? It's okay. You can join the Discord chat room available at fantasticforum.live. Join the party. You know you want to. Well, yeah. And, uh, yeah, let's talk about a little bit about uh, that Loki. Well, I haven't we, we have a caller. Oh, okay. Let's see who's Infamous 8547. Who are you? Infamous 8547. You're on mute. Infamous, you there? Yeah, look. Oh, no, they've been pruned. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a, a variant. All right, go ahead and take him out. If he comes back up, he'll let us know in chat. Um, wow, you you ruined this for me by with that realization. Yeah, I, I drank it. I was like, oh, this is this is nice. And then you said something, and it's so, <laughs> it's so. so cool. I was just curious about what it would be, uh, what it would taste like, and that's what it looked like to me from the design. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're always right. Oh, we have Asuna Yuki TDV uh, calling in. Hello, what's up, man? How you doing? Oh, fine. How about you? Good, man. Just here talking some comics, drinking some beer. Gonna talk a little uh, Uzumaki a little later. Oh, Uzumaki. I know a lot about Uzumaki. Oh, okay. Yeah, stay tuned. Um, what are you trying to say right now, man? Uh, really, I just wanted to join the show and uh, see what all the action was about. I've seen yep. almost all of your videos so far. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Well, yeah. So we're just going to go ahead and talk. Uh, TigerCon chat asked about Loki episode. What is it, five now? Yeah. I didn't watch it yet, but uh, you guys. Have you watched any of them is the question. Yeah, yeah. I watched all of them. I just watch them on Fridays. I'm a traditionalist. Okay. Yeah. So tell me, what what what'd you guys think of this new episode? Uh, Jay, uh, you're the one that hates it. Um, actually, no, caller, have you seen it? Because since you're you're the new guy here, uh, I've only seen like a very part, a small part of it, like the trailer release, and I think that was about it. <laughs> okay. So, Jay, as as a hater of this show, you what did you think? I started loving it like once they got stranded on that planet. Like that was the good episode. And from then on, it's been good. Uh, and this episode was, it was even better. Like, we get to see a ton of Loki variants, uh, including a, a crocodile, alligator one. Um, and we see like a cloud dragon. I don't remember its name. And 
overall, like this is just a great episode. Like one of those end of the world, like it's the kind of episode you want to see before the finale. Like it has a really good feel to it. And I could not stop laughing during the Loki uh, when they tried to overthrow the king of the void. Um, that was hilarious to me. Uh, what it did was, you think? It was hard for me to take classic Loki seriously because he's wearing spandex. <laughs> and like, he's the best one. I think like he, he just becomes a badass and he's still in the you gotta okay. respect that, right? It's a it, it is the best episode of the series. I I really enjoyed it. I one left, man. I can't wait to to see where they go. I have my suspicions, but they they always throw a curve at you, you know. No, there's a huge Easter egg in this episode, but I don't read Loki, so I missed it. There's a lot of Easter eggs. There's there's a Th Thanos copter in there. Oh wow! There's a, there's a lot of like people are going to be analyzing this frame by frame with all the stuff they threw in. But yeah, I think I know what you mean. Uh, I, it's not a plot point. Is it a spoiler? If it's not a plot point, it's just an Easter egg. I would. Larry's not here to stop us. So well, Tire Claw just said it. At least the one I was thinking about. Like I said, there's oh. so many things in this. You. You should watch it a couple of times and just you know, just look around its surroundings and see what what you see. So Tiger Claw saying Dog was in it, and I missed him. He was uh, in a jar. Ah, so you'll you'll know what. And I, I wasn't even sure if it was Throg, Honestly, I just saw like a little tiny Thor looking thing. But I guess because he was jumping, people are saying it's Throg. I don't know. It's one of those things I gotta really look in like you know zoom and enhance or whatever however it's done <laughs> so that means we're really close to pet avengers now because <laughs> we got we got uh what is it uh lockjaw we got do we have lockjaw though yeah because inhumans yeah <laughs> does that show even count like really i mean well lockjaw's getting a movie in the next phase i thought I personally think it counts. Yeah. Asuna UTDV. Okay. I don't know how you're going to squeeze Mephisto into that. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> and then we got Throg. Uh, um, we got Miss Lion. We got, uh, they could probably use that cat from, whatchamahoosit too, from Captain Marvel. And then they could use who else? My Red Wings be a robot, so that's not cool. But right, well, and the X Men aren't part of this, so they can't use Lockheed. Right, not yet, at least. But it's a different universe, so they could they could <coughs> still. Look, we're getting there, man. We're getting there. We're getting there. They could just use the the little the dinosaur from the Runaways. I still need to watch that. Uh, uh, Tiger Clown chat says, "I think we finally see Kang." 
in the episode, the Avengers building was in the voice, but it had a different name on it. Forgot what it was called, but it's associated with Kang. Yeah, Tyrekal has been watching other YouTubers talking <laughs> about Easter eggs. Uh, I, I, I know I, I saw that video too, Tyreclaw. Yeah, they zoomed and enhanced, and it had the name. I it starts with a Q, but it's associated with uh with Richards, who is Kang. It's like the company he's with. Richards is Kang. Uh, Kang is a Richards. He's not not oh, related to right. He's a descendant. Is he? I thought he was just he just happened to have the name Richards. I didn't know he was an. Actor. Oh, I think he's a. Because I think Reed Richards' dad was a time traveler, and he's like a brother almost from the future. Okay. Well, he works for a company, Quang or something. It starts yeah. with you. That was on the tower. So that, yeah, that's probably what he's talking about there. But there's a lot more hints that we are going to see Kang the Conqueror at some point. Well, uh, the, I think the, the biggest hint is that he's going to be the villain in the next Ant-Man movie. Like, well, we, there's an actor, that would be very interesting. There's already an act. Like, we know the actor that's yeah. playing the part. It's not a secret. It's the dude from uh, Lovecraft Country. And but also, yeah, but the the chick, the head of the TVA, Renova, is the chick that Kang time travels to have a kid with in the past. And that uh, Hmm. giant cloud monster thing is actually in the comics. He was at the border of Chronopolis. And they had to they had to distract him. I think that's where they get Tempest. To kind of fight it so that they can go into Chronopolis and that ends up freeing Kang and sets off a whole bunch of stuff. That's so, yeah, they, 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 yeah there's, that's where everything's pointing. But hey, you know, like I said, they'll throw a curve at you. You, you never know what they're going to do. Kang is definitely set for Ant Man Quantumania. I hope this is the setup. Might be, might not. I'm tired of coming up with stuff that ends up being wrong. What if Kang. Um, uh, after credit scene. What if Kang is Mephisto? <laughs> so, I guess speaking of amazing television, uh, we weren't on last week, so we did not get to talk about the season finale of Batwoman. <laughs> oh my god. Like, this joint was amazing. It was so much. It was fantastic. Like, only one small issue, one small issue with it. The origin of the Batwing suit was dumb. But other than that, dude oh in God. the Batwing suit was dumb. I mean, he's getting used to it. It's his first that, time. I hate the fact that on in this show, it's not the people that are the superheroes, it's the suit. They they even call them super suits. Like without yeah, the that, nothing. See, that's what made the episode great because uh old girl was able to take out Kate Kane even without the suit. Like she went head to head with her, suitless, and was able to prevail. She didn't really prevail. Well, she won at the end. Like that's, that's she's got the suit back. Joe just he's creating a time variance. <laughs> I feel bad for the uh, the actress that replaced Ruby Rose 
because she got three, four episodes and isn't coming back for season season three. And it's not even like they killed her off or anything. She just now, you know how Bruce Wayne disappeared at some point at the beginning of, of this show. Now she's going to disappear to look for Bruce. Nope. Uh, well, he was saying she's going to disappear to look for Bruce. And it's kind of poetic because uh, basically the main thing. Maybe. Hold on. Finish, finish up, Joe. Sorry, Oz, you kind of froze. Back. I know, I know. I could, I, yeah. yeah, I saw. Joe said you were going to say that it was poetic. <laughs> no, I was going to say. I wasn't going to say he was saying, like, I said the first part, but then when I was saying about poetic, that was me. You're inserted. Uh, yeah, because uh, one of the things about the series was that Alice felt abandoned because no one came and looked for her when she was kidnapped. And so Kate's going to look for Bruce so that they don't get in like a similar situation. Like Alice was waiting for someone to come find her. And she's like, what if Bruce is waiting? And so she's going to go find Bruce. I've often wondered about that. Uh, I was wondering where in the world did Bruce go? Cause one episode he's there and the next episode he's just not there. Well, the the Bruce that shows up isn't real Bruce. It's uh, uh, what's his name? Hush, with uh, with Bruce's face. Then there's another episode with a Bruce, but that's uh, a hallucination while uh, while uh, Fox is dying. I actually love that scene. It reminds me a lot of that episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where oh, she was dead and uh, Willow brought her back. And she was like super pissed off because yeah, like she was in heaven and like she had her paradise and they brought her back and she was like pissed. Like <laughs> and that's kind of like what happened with the Luke. Like he was like, I don't want to be in this world, like I want to be with my father. And you brought me back. Like, like I don't want to be here. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. Like there were similar scenes. And now he's Batwing. Now he's Batwing. I hate now, the, the thing that the, the thing that sucks about the origin of the suit is that it's basically Luke when he was a kid drew a, of what he thought a black Batman would look like, as if that means something. Like it's just mind-numbingly fucked. Like. Yeah, the like, Batwing suit is supposed to be like the, uh, like the Mark One version of the Batman Beyond suit, right? Like it's when he started to add technology to it, like that. I right. think they did say that. But yeah, he's like, oh, I, I drew this when I was six, and now that like, what would I'm a black Batman look like? It's Batman. Like, it, it's just weird because when you see Batman, you don't see black or white, or you shouldn't. You should be just seeing Batman, like. So that that was just weird. That depends like, on too. What does black being black have to do with your your bat being blue? I have no so, idea. Yeah, it, it's weird. But other than that, the episode was amazing. It's also and, weird that Luke Fox has been helping was helping Bruce Wayne for for a couple of years, and. 
like season season two, he's finding rooms in the bat. The Batmobile was in the Batcave, and he didn't know. <laughs> like, That's what broke the wall, right? It was behind the wall. Yeah. Like Hush knew. Hush is like, well, I'm in the Batcave, so I'm sure there's a Batmobile somewhere. <laughs> that there's just all these storage rooms with stuff that like he seemed to not know anything about until now. It's just I hate this show. <laughs> <laughs> sort of reminds uh, that sort of reminds me of a uh, Batman the animated series. If uh, you know what I'm talking about, the old one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminds me of uh, some of the last episodes where he brought in his apprentice to replace him with. Uh, they never really completed that series after that. Uh, any questions as to why? Because I have uh, no answers. <laughs> I'd like to have answers. Oh, the Batman Beyond series. Um, they did complete that in Justice League, and they kind of oh, okay. just uh, just like, did like a final episode. Yeah, because uh, yeah, they were just like done with the series, but it did yeah, get a finale, uh, a true finale. In I mean, do you want to know why Batman Beyond was chosen to be Batman? Uh, McGinnis, I guess. Yeah, McGinnis. Uh, I would like to because uh, I have a lot of friends and stuff who actually don't have the Beyond series and they would like to know does the uh, animated series continue or not and I have no answers. The If you're talking about the old, the, the original, original animated series. I am. That, there is a, a comic book series out now. I don't know what issue they're on. Maybe six or seven. That's how recent it is. That continues that, that show. Uh Batman Beyond kind of was a like it was the same universe just in the future and McGinnis was was chosen he became Batman Beyond because Amanda Waller wanted to create a new Batman who was getting old I don't know if she actually knew it was Bruce Wayne but she knew the guy that was Batman was getting old no she knows so she took his DNA and implanted it into a lady to to get her pregnant so First of Sounds all, McGinnis, yeah, he's he's half he's half Bruce Wayne. He's technically Bruce Wayne's Ill- illegitimate kid. I mean, because this chick's married too. It's not like she was a single mom, right? And uh, sets sets it up so that at when he's eight, his parents get killed, like Bruce Wayne. But it gets messed up, and only the dad gets killed. So he's raised by a single mom, and then coincidentally, uh, the events of the show happen, and he becomes Batman Beyond. Do they show okay. in the where uh, Amanda Waller milked uh, Bruce Wayne or Batman? She used his blood because oh, okay. he bleeds all the time. So right, like a bandage or something, and, like squeezed it into her vahuhu. Honestly, it's <laughs> that's how that, that works. It's like an amazing scene in the in yeah, the cartoon like, because <laughs> no, like, like when she's talking about it. Uh, in the episode, Terry is talking to Waller about about it, and uh, she uh, mentions that he left his DNA all over town. <laughs> and like Terry just like looks at her like, <laughs> like not even remotely what I meant. <laughs> yeah, uh, sort of. She has a point there. Uh, if you know the movies, Batman Year One, that kind of sets a good statement right there. Um, he falls off a fire escape and leaves drops of blood all up staircases as he's trying to escape the police and everything. So you see 
what I mean, DNA, uh, she had a point. He left his DNA everywhere he went. Right. Yeah. It, you know, without, and she knew who he was, so she could, like, match it. Yeah, know? I mean, yeah, it, even in the movies now, she knows who he is. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's the best known secret in the DC universe. <laughs> um, all right, let's, uh, let's jump into this Uzumaki. Let me play this Uzumaki, one. as in uh, Naruto Uzumaki. No, no. Oh, okay, my bad. Yeah, no, it's cool. Let's see here. Uh, where is this? There. Joe, why don't you uh, pretend like I didn't watch it <laughs> and let me know what Uzumaki is about real quick. Okay. Um, so Uzumaki is the live action adaptation of Junji Ito's horror manga of the same name. It's about a town that gets infected with spirals. And the spirals start, they just start, like, infecting people's minds and their bodies, their hopes and their dreams. And you have your main protagonist, a young girl, who is witnessing all the spirals and the horror around her. And she's trying to just navigate through all of the horrors so you have uh this one man who's shows the first uh the first signs of the sickness he becomes obsessed and he turns himself into a spiral uh killing himself because his back breaks because the human body is not meant to be a spiral and he is uh, cremated and the ashes spread across the town in a spiral and everything just gets like fucked from there. And you have like different characters, different events, spirals, horror, terror. It's just awful. And that is Uzumaki. Okay. Totally different Uzumaki than I was thinking about. Yeah. Uh, so I take back what I said earlier in the show. Uh, I thought you guys were talking about Naruto and stuff. Yeah. But oddly enough, uh, it, there's a spiral involved there too. Because isn't his birthmark, like that brand, is a spiral around his belly button? Uh, right? It's the Uzumaki seal. It's what contains Kuruma, which is the Nine Tails. Uh, let's see, what was that thing? Chakra Beast. Yeah. Uh, I don't know 100% of the entire thing, even though I've seen every episode in every Naruto, but didn't really pay too much attention because uh, you can only read subtitles so fast, and you only get most of the story. Now, that's, right. that's where this movie... I was trying to find an English dub version of it, and I didn't. And so I watched it. I did it in... Um, it's small spurts, 20 minute spurts, like a TV show. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Laying the gratification and everything. 
because it's like I, I want to. No, the visuals are interesting. The way it's shot, the way it's made is interesting. And the story is always, with Jinjito, is weird because it's always unassuming. You know, if I, if I could use that word there, where he creates a, a horror element where there wouldn't be one. And it kind of reminds me kind of like uh, David Lynch movies, you know, like a Blue Velvet or... Uh, you know, some Lovecrafty stuff too, and and he does a good job of creating those things. So I would have rather seen one without subtitles and just uh, English. But we'll, we'll, I won't knock it. What I did, uh, what I did find weird in this movie was some of the sound effects and transitions and stuff like that. It was kind of cartoony, and that that kind of took me out a little bit. And I can't even blame Jinji Ito for that. That's a director's choice. But um, but other than that, I I thought it was a a nice little suburban horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, when, when did this movie come out? In two thousand. Okay, because it looks like it came out in nineteen seventy. Yeah, it has that feel. Like shot on a those big ass camcorders. Yeah, <laughs> and I was expecting the lines, the video lines, to pop up at some point, but they didn't. I think that's a stylistic uh, choice. Um, right. Added some grit to the film. Yeah, I didn't, really, I didn't really enjoy this. It, it was slow paced. I mean, it's a, it's a Japanese horror, so there a lot of ambiance, but it's just it's slow paced. Uh, I read. Most of it, but like, <laughs> like, like you said, man, those sometimes those subtitles go quick. Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, the movie itself, it, it's fine. I just, I can't, <laughs> I can't get into the ambiance if I, if I'm sitting there reading, and that's that's just a flaw with me. I know there's people that you know are probably like flipping me off at this point because there's the whole sub versus dub, and I I don't want to <laughs> get into that. But some people can handle it. I I just can't. I I need to know every word that was said. Right. I, I know. Um. For me, the it was a lot easier doing subtitles when I was younger, and now it's uh, it's a little more tedious, and uh, you know. I I can I can empathize with that. Like yeah. I have a friend named Savior. And he he types with like random things capitalized, and he'll make weird like substitutions, like putting letters, like numbers instead of letters. And when I was younger, I had no problem reading it. Like it was just like reading words. But now that I'm getting older, it's like I have to read it like a couple times sometimes to understand what he's saying. But right. that's that friend might be doing you a favor too because it's like okay no pressure to write back <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, i know joe i know you have no problem reading stuff when you're watching like manga or i mean anime or japanese movies or foreign films right but uh i can take a quick guess to see what uh what you thought of this but why don't you tell us what you thought of this movie yeah I thought it was interesting. I mean, I, I watched it again, like 
I've seen this movie before, closer to when it came out, uh, being a huge Junji Ito fan, like, uh, when it first came out, like, I, I watched it, and, you know, I remember being a, a tiny bit disappointed, just because, uh, you know, it's it's adapted from a manga, so a fuck ton is cut out. Mm -hmm. uh, you have that one girl, don't remember her name, but she had the little click with her, and we only see her, like, two or three times in the movie, like, Uzumaki was more anthology, so she actually had a whole arc. And you could see like her hair becoming more spiraled and eventually like getting her the attention she craved, but like, draining her. And like I was just a little bit disappointed in that we didn't get the whole stories translated. Uh, I was young and naive. Like I know that's not how things work. But uh Watching it again this time around, I was still a little disappointed. And it's just like, it, it's good, but it, it's slow paced, which is fine. It's good. But one of the things about Junji Ito, uh, when you look at his artwork, it's not like, the faces don't look normal. They're exaggerated for horror. And they tried this a couple of times, uh, but it just ends up looking cartoony. Like there's a scene where the guy's eyes start going in the spirals and it looks pretty cartoony in the movie as opposed to like where the manga, where it's actually pretty fucking terrifying. Um, so it was mostly just stuff like that, I think, that was the disappointment. But I, I do like the slow pace, the aesthetic. I like how the characters are like, a lot of them are really flat, like Junji Ito characters tend to be. Um, but yeah, if you can see this, it's like, this is all horrifying to me. And the movie just doesn't pull this off well, I think. Yeah, it's it's hard. Uh, but I mean, when we watched, what was the other one we watched? The Tomi. The Junji Ito. Oh, Tomie. Tomie. Like I felt that one did a better job of kind of creating those Itoisms in style, like the monster, little bit of the faces. That's even, true. Even the way they like the way he was like eating her hair, <laughs> you know, like that. I, that looks like something that looked the same in the book. You know what I mean? Right. But then you got to remember too that movie's got like that's a 2015 movie. Yeah, that's true. Compared to like a 2000s movie. Yeah. And also the dude that uh, directed this, I think it was his first time directing a movie. Period. Oh, okay. I was kind of reading that because I'm like, I got to find out how this was made. I, I read that um, the manga hadn't finished yet um, uh, while the movie was being shot. So they had to kind of create their own story, which, but when you say that it's an anthology based story, it's like they could have just picked, you know, a couple stories that kind of had already played their course more or less, right? Or is not that, it's not that. 
No, uh -huh. that's pretty much how it goes. It's like your girl, like it starts out with the girl uh, saying like, let me tell you about the town. Then it goes into like the first story, second story, third. And it, they, they keep layering and then they start like intersecting. And uh, yeah, like honestly, I do think they did a decent job with getting the overall feel of the manga. I think for what it is, that's not a, they did not do a terrible job at that. It's just, I think the look a little bit, um, some of the effects. Now I will say some of the effects were actually pretty good. Like uh, when the boyfriend starts turning into a spiral at the end, I thought that looked really good. Um, it was just some of the CG stuff, like the eyes and like, they try to do one reaction shot like the manga, but the technology just isn't there. So it does look like it just goes cartoon for a little bit. But overall, I, like, I can admire what they did. I can admire uh, how much they tried. And overall, I thought it was a pretty good effort. Um, do you think that when Larry shit himself watching this, like he shit in the spiral? <laughs> he, he might do that. I'd be disappointed if he didn't. <laughs> Yeah. What hopes do you have for the anime that's coming out? Um, I hope it's going to be like that panel I just showed you. I'm hoping we get that. Like, it, it, it being animated, it should have the exact feel. Like, I'm hoping that it just has the exact feel of the manga and it just goes. Like, it's not afraid to be creepy. It's not afraid to do those zoom-ins. Uh, yeah, like, that. that's my hope, that it will be like the manga just animated. Like, it'll feel like the manga just started moving. Okay. Uh, let's see, let's jump into this rating system we got here. Ozman, what would you give it? Out of five. Out of five, what? Out of like how many spirals out of five? Like how you many think? Larry spiral yeah. shit things? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say three. I want to do lower, but I think my biggest issues with this movie are all like personal. You know, it's it, I, I don't want to say it's bad. It's just I can't there and watch and read and feel the ambiance they're trying to create for me. Do you want an American remake? No, because it'll probably be horrible. I just want a dub version. Just give me a dub version. I'll watch it again. <laughs> I feel you on that one. Uh, <laughs> felt the same thing with Ghost in the Shell. They did a live action of Ghost in the Shell and they didn't even stick true to the story, let alone the script. Yeah, Lauren it's should pretty watch good, it. but it wasn't that good. Lauren should watch it again and read all the parts, and then I'll watch that. <laughs> um, 
I uh, talking about Ghost in the Shell. Like I think the parts that were kind of true to the original anime were like early on, and that's where right. I fell asleep on both of them. <laughs> so when I tried watching the anime before the movie came out, I watched it a long time ago, back in the nineties. But I didn't pay much attention. I fell asleep then too. I'm sure. And I, when I tried rewatching it, I fell asleep at the same spot. Sure. <laughs> After the first spurt, yeah. Take that. Get ready Revenge and Alita, Alita turned out pretty bad, too. Yeah. Yeah, and there this, needs to be some work done there. Yeah. Joe, man, what would you give this at a spiral set of five? I would give it a four out of five. Like, it has a few issues, but overall, I like the ambiance, the characters, the acting. I love that the spirals are terrifying when they're not cartoony. Um, man, yeah. I think the mom, actually, the woman playing the mom was really good. Like, I was so scared for her. When they took down the, you know, when she found out that there were spirals in the ear, <laughs> and then she took care of the spiral in her ear, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like, yeah, I would say four. I think uh, for me, it's a, like a three and a half. Uh, similar to what Oz was saying, I wish I could have just understand it so I could experience it better. But also, uh, it was lacking in some of the the, the the cartoony things. More for me, it was more sound than the look of things. Just like the transition sound with the iris, like you know, like I, I like this. This takes me out. I don't like this. And then, uh, but what I could say is that I could probably watch this movie again without any subtitles and just look at it and and look at stuff play out without understanding, and I'd still enjoy it. Yeah, sound down like porn. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta take care of that spiral in the ear, man. Sound down, one spurt at a time. I see where you're going. <laughs> you're lucky Larry's not here. <laughs> he keeps us uh he keeps us clean. But yeah, three point five out of me for for me. I think it'll be good. I I do. I think I would like to see an American remake of it, even if it's bad. Like, I, I will say, you know what did turn out pretty good? The American remake of The Grudge. That yeah. actually turned out pretty good. I think in part because it was like a Japanese thing still, but an American experiencing it. I, they got creative with it, I guess. That's how they they managed to do that well. And they had the original director yeah. on board, like doing it. Nice. Because it's not a. Is it a remake? Remake or is it like a side story? No, it's a remake. Okay. Like they switch up the order a little bit, but yeah, it's supposed to be the same. A re, it's a remake of. The Japanese one. Okay. Yeah, I did like that one. I actually, that actually scared me when I saw it in the theater too. 
Yeah. That's funny. My brother took his son to go see it uh, when he was young. And to hear my brother tell it, uh, his son stopped going to horror movies with them after that because <laughs> there's a sound that the ghost makes, like that little rattling sound. Uh, my brother can do that, can make that sound. And so when his son would be like just doing something, he would like come up behind him and like make that sound. <laughs> oh, well, now he has to do that to Larry. Yeah, <laughs> well, he's got to see the. He's got to see it first. I don't think he's seen it. No, he hasn't. He's not going to. We got to make. He's not. Another Larry. I might Larry. check it out. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's good. Uh, in the commercial, they did a thing where uh, Sarah Michelle Geller walks into a room, and the boy, the little boy ghost, turns around and does like a cat noise. Like he opens his mouth and just does a cat noise. And mm -hmm. in the theater. I don't know if they did it in the DVD or the Blu-ray. They talk about it, the grudge, right? Right. Okay. So that sound he did in the trailer on the TV was really scary and scared the shit out of my sister. And it was just like a cat sound. Like the kid just looked to the camera and go with his eyes all black and it's like, Wah! yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, but when in the theater, they put a lion's roar to like make it, uh, I guess do the jump scare instead of just the creepy scare. But that's not scary. Yeah, no, the cat's way no. right. But the it, cat will eat your eyeballs. I was I was mad when I saw it in the theater because that scene with the boy just creeped the fuck out of me. Watching it in my room at eleven at night in the dark when the commercial would come on during like was back then was I would probably be watching David Letterman or some shit and. Uh, and yeah, I was like, oh, I want to see that so bad. And then in the theater, it was just like a lion growl roar thing. And I was like, that doesn't even fit. Like the cat doesn't fit. <laughs> That's creepy. Yeah. Like you're walking. Because the way they, the, the set design on that was good too. Because the wood floors were like raw wood. Because the house was like breathing its existence kind of. So the flat wood floor got texture. So she's, and she's walking in like. It's just getting creepier and creepier, and then the little boy does that sound. And uh, <laughs> yeah, if you can find that old commercial, watch that first. Yeah. Cool. All right, it's time for uh, Venom 200. I have that right here. Uh, this came out about two weeks ago. It's, I guess, the between book. After the King and Black event that Marvel had, it's it's Venom's been building up to this. I want to say I read that Silver Surfer Black book something like four or five years ago, and they were starting to build up that type of that what was going to happen from there. So it's been a long time coming with Venom and uh, Eddie Brock in particular. Symbiote, and I don't know what's been going on there because I, I didn't read that. Shit. I don't like Venomize. I don't want to see everybody. <laughs> it, it just seemed cash grabbing, give me key to me. But you know, we talked about Donnie Cates, the writer that's been handling all this for the last six years or something. And um, he's, he's a good writer, talented dude. We, we, we read his stuff on um, 
on Brian K. Vaughn's label, his, you know, pay what you want for comics platform and, and some of his comicsology stuff and image stuff. So we, we like him here for the most part. And uh, so I, I, because I haven't been reading any of the Venom, I figured, you know what, 200 is a milestone issue. It's actually issue 35 of the current run, but legacy number 200. And I'm like, it's going to be a starting point for me. It's right after everything that went down. And it's going to kind of set up the new uh, paradigm for Venom moving forward. And I'm curious to see, you know, with the movies being a success, what are they? Uh, how is that affecting the comics? Because the movie, while it's not an MCU movie, it did enough money where if you see something you like in that movie and you don't see it in the comics, you might not buy the comics. So I wanted to see who blinked first, Marvel Comics or Sony. <laughs> quality uh, Venom show. And uh, yeah, I, I was I was kind of right in my assertion. Um, Eddie Brock is an old-ass man. I didn't take any screenshots because I bought the physical copy, but let's see if... Uh, and I, I'm a manual focus. He can't really see it, but he, there he is, old ass man, old ass Eddie Brock with a kid, a teenage kid, and uh, yeah, it, it's a uh, it's an interesting read because he is now the god of of, of symbiotes or symbiotes. Because I think they <laughs> in the comic too, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, he's the god of symbiotes. He's like omniscient, like he can see through every uh, living symbiote and dead symbiote, like anything they've ever seen. Like he's he collects the collective unconscious of all symbiotes uh, in existence, and he can be in all parts that they're at, and he can harness like he has a symbiote like essence to him, so he can just harness it. <laughs> it's really weird, but it is. Um, they explore the relationship of Eddie Brock now after all this with Spider-Man and Peter Parker. And that was actually a kind of, kind of cool uh, moment for, for me. Like, you know, cause they're uh, Venom and Spider-Man. They have that shared history. They have that baggage, that emotional baggage that, that these two enemies have. And uh, at this point with the wisdom that Eddie Brock has, he just sees it different and, you know, Peter's like weirded out by it, but they they kind of they kind of have this weird, odd friendship that they explore here. Now, I don't know if it's gonna be. I don't know if you're gonna see this anywhere else. Uh, it doesn't. It, they set it up like something that's gonna be moving forward. That's the thing, but I don't know if anybody can really do anything with that because <laughs> part of the whole thing is like, oh, it's Spider-Man fighting another Spider-Man that's bigger and stronger, and he could sneak up on them. You know. And uh, but I guess it's going to take creative, uh, some creative writing and creative storytelling to get that up and going and doing it well. Um, they explore his kid, like his relationship with his kid now. Um, the Avengers like funded or Tony Stark funded his now lifestyle where Eddie Brock can live with his, as a little parent. And then there's a, a symbiote dog <laughs> that walks around with. <laughs> with venom's son and that's the origin of that venom because you know the legacy is is passing forward to his son spoilers what uh, what was the the cat 
I have no idea. I, that's a Larry question. There, there's like a cat with four eyes and looks, four eyes. Deep, but it's like talking. I, I think I, that's the cat from the Miss Marvel thing from Sword. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. We, we need Lawrence you know for that. that Joe, you know that cat, right? No. No. Okay. Like, I haven't been I reading that either. So <laughs> I, I just figured it was like, it came up in the past 35 issues. Like, I just assumed it's another symbiote that's just chilling in, in his house. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but he's pretty funny. Like, I was entertained by him. <laughs> Asuna, uh, you, you're not reading Venom, are you? Uh, no, I'm not able to read Venom, but I'm trying to get all of the stuff to it, but money's tight and it. Yeah. It's kind of hard to get things when money's tight. Yeah, no, I, I feel you. Look, Anybody that's not reading Venom, I think 200 is a good jump, jumping on point because it opened, it, it feels like a zero, zero issue with a little bit of a number one. Uh, it opens up with kind of a recounting of what, what what's that? What was it called? The, the King in Black. The King in Black story where he fights a god essentially a symbiote god and kind of kind of lets you know what happened with that and then starts the the next story i don't know why eddie brock is an old ass man i just assume that's kind of the toll of having venom that's what it did to him uh but yeah it it, it the second half of it well it starts off with, with that review of what happened and from what I've heard, because I haven't actually read that story, it's a good story. So even picking up a trade of that, I think would be would be good. So that it recaps that, and then yeah, you find out the relationship with Spider-Man. But I think that's just to establish that Eddie, what Eddie Brock can do, and that he's trying to be a good guy now. And then the third part of it is kind of setting up the the next villain for the next story arc so it's a good in between book if you don't if you're not reading them to to start you know if you if you want okay. to start the venom books i i'm not a venom reader but it's not a bad book i mean i i i enjoyed it it was fine it's good how many yeah, pages like how many pages is it uh, it's seven, I think. Nah, it's more than that, man. This thing's thick, man. Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, what's the cover price on it? Ten bucks. It's a ten dollar okay. book. Yeah, probably gonna have a hundred pages or more. Yeah, I think it's a hundred page. Like they used to say back in the day, they used to say a hundred page spectacular on um, ones like these, but they usually were reprints of other stuff, and this one's not. This one's. It's it's a lot it's a lot of it, it's easily like four comics, so that, that would be about a, about a hundred pages. There's a few ads. Also, in there. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we were talking about uh, uh, Joe's friend earlier. Um, I think he might be trying to get into this talk show, but Microsoft Edge on console is incompatible with the the stuff you guys are using. Yeah, I did notice that Microsoft sucks. And uh, I got a page count. It's 81 pages. 
Okay. So, okay. Yeah, sorry, Savior. Um, I'm not sure how you can. Yeah, you have to talk to Microsoft and tell them to fix their browser or let you download Chrome. Yeah, but what's his name? Bill Gates is busy right now being a bachelor. Yeah, he got poon left and right. He's slinging it. Yeah, I, I don't believe that. Like, you don't believe I, like he's divorced. I know he's divorced. I know he's like single, but I don't feel like he has poon coming at him like left and right. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't see that being the case with him. I would have felt the same until uh, I saw, oh my God, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. What's a, a wheelchair dude, scientist? Um, I know who you're talking about. Talking. Have you seen that dude like surrounded by women? I mean, come on. He's Bill Gates in a, in a wheelchair. Yeah, he dude, has the sympathy. If that dude's slinging it, yeah, Bill Gates has the money. But Stephen Hawking was smart enough to be like, "Oh, I was a war veteran." I don't, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> Look, Bill Gates is smart enough to say hundreds. Yeah, yeah. But you, you know, you know that money only gets you so far. No, it doesn't, it doesn't get you happiness. Well, I'd like to try. <laughs> I, mean, I, I got pretty far with with like. Thirty dollars in singles. I can just imagine what a dude with a billion dollars can get through. A dude with thirty fives, man, man. If I had that much money, <laughs> thirty fives, thirty singles. What are you? T- thirty. No, 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 I'm talking about millions. If I had millions, man, I'd own every joint in the country. Yeah. If each one of those singles was a was a five, oh my god, I'd rule the world. You have no idea. I, I think uh, if I had, right. I'd just right. be Miss Uncle, like Uncle Scrooge. I'd just be a hermit. Rolling I have a really big stack of comics that I would read for the next week. <laughs> but that's just me. I'm no, I'm no Bill Gates. I'm no Stephen Hawking. I ain't that smart. Yeah. So Venom. Yeah, I thought it was good. It, it's good. It's, it's, like it's part it's a good prologue part. Part epilogue, part prologue. Um, it sets up. It's interesting because it sets up two different things. Like it sets up a big story arc, and it sets up his son as Venom. And uh, which I'm assuming. Well, if we're not spoiling, you then. Spoil. So, if we're spoiling, then yeah, I'm assuming that his son, because right now there are a shit ton of symbiotes on Earth. And so I'm assuming that the son is actually going to be dealing with them. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is going to be like the next big Marvel event. Um, well, I know with- I know in the story, the King Black or whatever story, I know his son was a was, was powerful, was in it and was powerful. I want to say he was he was Canal. Or whatever dude was calling himself, uh, but like I, I didn't read the story. I just know bits and pieces. I, th- I just remember the son being a powerful symbiote host in another reality. So yeah. Speaking of uh, speaking of symbiotes, my father made a comment when we saw the uh, Venom movie. 
he made the comment, what if Clark Kent were to get the Venom symbiote if he were compatible? That would be weird. But... Um, it's like... Eventually, it's not gonna work. Because... And Superman one and DC one million Superman lives in the sun, and the symbiotes hate sun, like they hate fire. So I'm not sure it would work out. Also, like as soon right. as Lois dies, like the symbiote is gonna die because Superman is gonna live in the sun. Also, Superman can hear everything at once. That's a lot of sound coming at Venom. Yeah. Uh, one thing that you know people would think if, if Clark Kent would ha get the symbiote would be like, uh, what if he makes him a murderous person? Or, you know, and Donny Cates actually fucked with that. It turned out that because the symbiote was cast out from the hive, it actually went nuts. <laughs> so once he went back and he was in space and stuff kind of leveled out and that's kind of what we see with Eddie now where Eddie like it taught him how to be good and, and you know how to be more even keeled about shit you yeah, know that's how they explained Venom at the beginning right that he was just right. not, he was disconnected and right you you mentioned uh sooner you mentioned the movie I was gonna mention that I don't I, I, like I said I'm not reading the Venom comics I don't know how long they've been doing this but they do the movie thing where he like comes out and he's talking to him and he tells his kid uh -huh. hey I was expecting for the symbiote to make pancakes at one. <laughs> I, that, that's one of the things I hate. And uh, I hate it in the movie. And I hear yeah, there was there was there was a scene in the movie that you made fun of, and I swear they did that panel in this. Book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. They did. It, and you know, it, it's if you watch the what was that thing called the fuck something the Maxim. Parasite, Parasite the Maximum. Uh, right. You're talking about a Japanese anime there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well versed into it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I felt that the movie was a rip off of that. Like it was a, <laughs> the American remake of that. And uh, <laughs> to the point where there's like a, a scene in the movie where he's looking at it just like the dude is looking at, at the parasite, like same angle and everything. I think you posted a side by side too. Yeah, yeah on our Instagram. And uh, and here they're doing that too, and I, I I hate it, I hate seeing that. But the overall story, how that all ended up playing out with the kid, like I, I'm not entirely mad at it. I'll knock off a point maybe, but uh, but the thing is, they got to sell these books. If pe if the people want more venom from the movie, like you got to sell these books. Yeah, it, it really turned into like a pitching contest for them. Like, all right, who's gonna who's gonna bow down first you know it's always the books especially yeah. when they're too good it's always the books that blink yeah it's just for me it's just a little different because it's a sony thing and not a marvel thing you know having star lord look a certain way because a movie makes sense from a, a synergist business model whereas you know you know, we it wasn't that long ago when they were like, "Don't draw any commissions of Fantastic Four when that shitty movie came out." You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it's just weird to see it with with Venom. But when I you mean, say that shitty movie, you got to be more specific. We're talking about Fantastic Four. 
Uh, I like the second one. The Silver Surfer one? Yeah. Yeah, but you like Silver Surfer. I like that one too, especially when they all combine their powers together. Yeah. Like that that felt like a like a Fantastic Four story from like the seventies or eighties. Yeah. I don't think I was a fan of either of those movies. <laughs> How about the third one? Jessica I, I kinda like the third one. Wait, the third one? You mean the new one, right? The newest? Yeah. Okay. Like, I kind of like that one. Like yeah, it, no, that it one, has it has issues. Yeah, the issues. I fucking hate how arrogant that asshole was. Everybody in the movie. Right? No, I'm talking about uh, what's his name, the black. <laughs> oh, Killmonger. Uh, no, I know who he's talking about. He's talking about the professor. Uh, professor, right, right? Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Right. He was like talking so much shit, like about how we're gonna see it anyway. It's like fuck you, asshole. Oh, Joe, you mean in, I thought you meant in the movie. Cause he, no, in like real life, he was being a dick. Yeah, like an arrogant prick. <laughs> yeah, I look, I. Those movies are something that uh, I can't I can't wrap my head around some of those decisions and I can't I don't know if they'd make those decisions again today. Like do they oh, well, they do. You know they do. I don't think well I guess I'm being like Larry because Larry's not here. I don't think Marvel would do that now that they have the rights. I think there's there's people, there's people in Disney that would, that would do that, but I hope that the Marvel Studio guys are like have the cachet, the the proven success that they would be left alone. But you ne- you never know. There's always those executives saying, "Well, people want this. Let's do this." I'll be honest, if they can just get everyone to be the right race, that would be a huge improvement. That's a big ask, man. I know, right? I mean you saw you saw fucking Eternals. <laughs> <laughs> that is gonna be a hit. <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I, you know. But I mean, maybe since there's only four of them, they can get it right this time. Look, that that makes it even worse because they literally have like four like skin tones to choose from. So it's like, you know, if you make it's only four of them and they're all white, it's like, man, you know, you need at least one, you know, darker shade of white. You know, like it, it's, I don't know. There's more more to look at. It takes off, you know. They can knock off that twenty five percent. They're gonna with just one person. Yeah, they're gonna change colors throughout the movie too. Like Reed Richards is gonna be dark, really dark at the beginning. And then when he stretches, he gets lighter. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was gonna make a a grim a Ben Grimm joke, but I I, I can't make turning red funny. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, I could, but you know, we're trying to monetize, right? Like that's, that's the end goal at some point. Go look at my package. <laughs> the red hat with white letters in that video. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joe, man, uh, these, you could safely say there's about three, three comics in here. Which was your favorite segment of this um, Venom 200? You know, I can't say I had a favorite segment. There were just, I did have favorite moments. Uh, the kid, like, visualizing almost murdering that kid, like, that was an awesome segment. Uh, I love when Venom was talking to Tony Stark, and he kind of, like, zones out. And it's like, sorry, Spider-Man was making a joke and stealing my fries. It's like, that was hilarious to me. Um, there were just, and I will say, the, uh, the plot they set up, like, I guess that's the third part. Like, the plot that they're setting up sounds super interesting. Like, uh, we said, are we spoiling just now? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, I do have a question right. about that. Say again? I do have a question about what they were said now. They're trying to rebuild the Ultimate Universe. Right, and that was my question. I thought the Ultimate Universe at this point no longer exists. Right. But That's why it's an amazing thing. God, the Ultimate um, Universe was an amazing... You, you like the Ultimate Universe? No, that's why what they're trying to do, like bringing it back, like a story where they're trying to bring back the Ultimate Universe, okay. seems like it could be really interesting. Uh, Infamous in chat says, Infamous here, sorry about earlier, so if you sent the other link and asked me to say that he is still trying to join the show, then now he sent this link to say it again, and I'm sorry if I'm bothering. Dude, infamous, you're good. So I hope you. Uh, Hexilla in chat says, "Well, this video is demonetized." <laughs> so I guess, <laughs> yeah, no holding back. Yeah, look, yes. we're all gonna whip it out. <laughs> I see. Um, Empress can hear you guys through my party chat, so that's good. But he's not accessing you directly, which sucks. Even though he has a working phone, <laughs> I don't know much. I'm gonna have to. I'm about to cut my camera feed soon because my arm's getting tired. <laughs> oh no! I thought you on um on the table, or you put your machine on the desk or something. No, no. Um, uh, I'm using an old technique I use during hunting. Um, I'm keeping my arm locked. I have the ability to lock my arm, my joints, and everything. It's a birth defect. I can. I can literally pop every muscle, not muscle, every socket out without harming myself and lock my muscle in place, which holds the arm there forever. But the only problem is my arm goes numb after a while, and that's what's happening. Yeah, don't don't hurt yourself, Asuda. We appreciate you joining us, uh, helping us out with, with Lawrence out today. Uh, yeah, so that. Dude. Take care of yourself. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. still be in the show. I just won't have any video. Oh. Just to advise him that um, if you can find a way to do what uh, you saw me did with others before on uh, Skype, 
uh, you can ask Dondres and Jay Random here. Usually, I use either laptop or the iPad is working right now by putting it up against a wall or books or something and keeping it stable. And then I can walk around in front of the camera or do things like show a game in front of the camera. So I hope this right. helps everybody 